Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Today's episode is being sponsored by Amnia Masood in memory of her son, Ocean. Ocean Johannes Emru Campbell was a sweet, loving soul, brilliant, funny, and kind. Ocean was quiet, philosophical, and thoughtful. Still waters run deep. He enjoyed having conversations of a spiritual and enlightened nature. He was always observing and would surprise sometimes with wise and profound words out of the blue. His faith in God was unwavering. In his short life, he faced tremendous challenges and adversity and handled them all with incredible composure and grace. There are no words to explain the beauty of his spirit. He was dearly loved by all who knew him. Born of Jamaican and Egyptian parents, he leaves behind his mother, Amnia Masood, and his three sisters, Candace, Trinity, and Leela Campbell. Wuldi Selassie, his Ethiopian Christian name, meaning son of the Holy Trinity, is now in the glory of God's presence. God rest his precious soul. Thank you, Amnia, for sponsoring today's podcast episode. Hi. Today's guest is someone you may be familiar with online. It is Melanie D. Simone of the blog, The Life I Didn't Choose. And she has a Facebook page many of you might be familiar with called Heartache and Hope. But let me officially introduce her before we get started. Melanie has lived on a small homestead for 25 years, nestled in rural Bibb County, Alabama. Along with her husband, Hector, she raised four children, along with dozens of farm animals and pets over the years. Melanie spent much of her life educating her own children and others in the homeschool community. Since her son, Dominic, ran ahead to heaven in 2014, she has spent a great deal of her time and energy writing about their family's grief journey and ministering to the bereaved parent community through her blog, thelifeididn'tchoose.com, and in person through speaking. In her spare time, Melanie loves hugging and playing with her two grandsons, walking and smelling wildflowers, sewing small one-of-a-kind handcrafts, and reading lots of books from many different points of view. I really enjoyed the conversation we had together, and I'm glad to be able to share it with you. I did decide to split this into two episodes, so here is the first part of my talk with Melanie DeSimone. Well, hi, Melanie. We have never met, but I know we have a kindred spirit, and you have been part of my circle as far as reading your blogs or having perivers share something from you on our private GPS Hope page. And you have a way of writing what perivers are feeling, and we all really appreciate that. So I'm so glad to have you on here with me today. I'm thankful to be here. Thank you for asking me. Oh, you're welcome. Let's start out by having you share your story with us, please. Now, you lost a son from this earth, right? I did. My son, Dominic, 
was 23, almost 24, when he was killed in a single vehicle motorcycle accident very close to his home. He was the third of four children, the second of three sons. I have a daughter at the top and then three sons going past that. He was uh, his almost at the end of his second year in law school, and he was traveling home one night. And as young people do, he felt the wind in his hair and was going too fast in a curve and lost control hmm. and um, died as a result of that accident. So um, that was in 20, 2014, in April of 2014. So it's been nine years. Okay. Okay. And how old was he? He was 23. He was, he would have been 24, May 28th. Okay. So you've just passed one of those. Well, you've just passed both of those dates <laughs> mm-hmm. that are, that yep. are, can be so hard on us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. It's interesting how when we hear other parents' stories so often, my thought anyway, is I can't imagine losing a child that way. Yeah. One of the things that I've come to understand is there's no easy way. I mean, it makes mental sense. There's no easy way to lose a child. But like you, when I hear about people who've lost a child to a long-term illness or to, um, you know, an undiagnosed heart defect and they just don't wake up one morning. And I mean, there's just, there's just all these ways and, Mm -hmm. and we think about it. And, and I think, I think one of the beautiful things about the bereaved parent community is that there's so much grace for the most part. My experience has been that there's so much grace within that community and everyone is just like, oh my goodness, you know, I have survived, but I don't know if I could have survived your particular circumstances, but of course we do, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's good because that kind of leads us into our topic today because we know other parents get it. Now, it's very rare that I even hear a parent compare their grief, you know, well, I know how you feel because I lost my child. Even if it was like, well, I lost my child in motorcycle accident, I know exactly how you feel. We don't even say that to each other because we know it's such an individual loss. Now, I mm-hmm. know the depth of darkness. I know, you know, that suffocating pit. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to live. I knew that feeling of, you know, those kinds of things. But even among ourselves, it's a very rare for me to ever hear one parent tell another parent, I, I know how you feel because I lost my child even the same way. And so we're going to talk today about how much it can hurt when the people around us don't understand our deep loss. And let me just start out by saying we all know it is impossible for someone who's not lost a child to understand what it's like. I mean, I didn't get it until I lost Becca. But what I think hurts us is when the people around us, those that we love and we thought we could count on for support, it seems like sometimes they don't even try to understand. Correct. And I think, I mean, obviously we're going to explore this further, but what I tell a lot of parents is that we've been forced to dance steps that we never wanted to learn Mm. to a tune we never wanted to hear. And at the same time, we've got to teach everybody else the same dance. So, you know, you know, and, and it's, it's just so unfair on, in addition to the, what you described as the 
immediate and ongoing feelings that we are we are feeling and the and the reality of where we're walking in the world, but we're also constantly being called on. If we want other people to understand, we're being called on to be the educators as exactly. we're also learning the lessons. And it's yes. it's just so difficult. It's such a burden. It's such a heavy burden. It is. And sometimes we find ourselves, especially at the beginning, comforting other people with our loss. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I remember that so much. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to yeah, be okay. I, you know? They're like bawling on my shoulder and I'm comforting them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it's just crazy. It is. Yeah. We were already just talking a little bit about comparisons. And it can, that's one of those hurtful things when people who haven't lost a child, they try to compare their loss to our loss. You know, that Mm -hmm. I know how you feel when my dad died, I cried every day for a month straight. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And I, you know, some people, their pets are their kids. I'm one of those that I don't understand that pets are important. I mean, there is such a thing as emotional support and to liken them to a child, to our child, though, I just, I don't understand that. Those kinds of comparisons can really hurt, can't they? They're they're very, they're very painful. And I think to tease apart those two different examples, which are common mm-hmm. uh, things that are said to bereaved parents, one is... When someone who is older than us dies, whether it's our parent or even, you know, even if it's our spouse, even if we're comparable in age. Yeah. Well, even our spouse, we know there's a 50-50 chance that one of that I'm going to be the one left behind. Right. It doesn't doesn't diminish the pain and the grief of that, but I know there's a a good chance that's going to happen. Correct. And, And those are what is known in the grief world as orderly deaths. Mm -hmm. We expect those that are older than us to die before us. It doesn't always happen that way, but that is the most common way that life happens, especially in the Western (laughs) world. And we have ways of talking about those people. I remember when grandmama used to make this great pound cake. I remember (laughs) when daddy used to do this thing or whatever. And there's a space in our social gatherings for talking about those people that's natural, especially when we get around holiday times. You know, yes. we t- I re- remember when we used to gather at, yes. you know, Big Daddy's mm-hmm. house or whatever. So though there's there's uh, several things going on there. One is it's orderly. Mm-hmm. It's expected in the natural way of things. There's a natural social space for talking about those people once they are no longer with us. And it's sad, but it's not specifically fearful in the way that child loss is fearful. You and I walking around as perievers, like mm-hmm. you say, which I love that word, we are a billboard for everyone's greatest fear. If they have children, you know, this can actually happen. It's not Mm -hmm. just a story. It's not just a novel. Here's a human being who has experienced this. And so when our children pass, there's not a natural social space for that. 
it's out of order. We haven't only lost the person we knew and loved and lived with for a period of time. We've also lost the future that they represented to us yes. as parents. Yes. And we expected them to carry our light, like I'm t saying about talking about our dead parents or whatever, not uh -huh. us to carry theirs. Right. You know, we don't think of them in terms of legacy terms. We're not looking at our two-year-old thinking, well, I wonder what kind of legacy he's building, you right. know. And then with pets, and I'm a huge animal lover. I absolutely mm -hmm. adore animals. I have a small <laughs> farm. I've had literally hundreds of animals in my life. I have had sheep in my kitchen trying to warm them up after they <laughs> fell in the wet uh -huh. and they were covered mm -hmm. in mud. So this is, I am a total animal lover, but there is no comparison. And I'm sorry for those people who do not have children and perhaps their pets feel to them as children mm -hmm. but even with pets we know again yes. all things being equal pets have a shorter lifespan than humans do so yes. if i get a dog today even if that dog lives to be 15 and i'm not ar already 95 right, odds right. are i'm going to outlive that animal we that's still an anticipated death right and there's just no comparison Mm -hmm. But it happens all the time. People are frequently make those comparisons. They do. And I think one thing that, you know, after we bristle and we have our moments, <laughs> whether it's in our mind or verbally, <laughs> I, I think one thing that might help us is if we can understand that they're trying to relate to us based on their deepest loss. Absolutely. And they're just not wording it right. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's a big part of growing in grief and yes. beginning to heal in grief. You know, at first I was a walking nerve. Oh, yeah. Every I mean, I, I describe that that way to people and every single thing. It just felt like the the lightest wind touch against my skin hurt, you mm -hmm. know, and I had to over time begin to toughen up a little bit and be able, and I became able to extend grace to people and to recognize that for many of them, that was the deepest loss that they had ever felt. And so they're, they are, they're genuinely trying to connect. They just do it in an awkward way. Right, right. Do you have a particular time that you can think of off the top of your head where someone said or did something hurtful? You know, what did you do? How did you handle it? I do remember there was an individual who called me. She was someone that was not a, a close friend. She was a, a person that my husband knew through work and hadn't heard from this person in a long time. And it was like about a month after Dominic died. And she, she wanted to compare her situation where she had a brother that she was caring for who had some diminished mental capacity. And, um, and she wanted to compare that to, quote unquote, that she lost her brother Yeah, to us totally, completely mm -hmm. losing Dominic. And I remember that I thought, you know, that's really not the same thing because you can still go visit him. He is not the person you 
used to have he's not the person you wish he was but you've still got him yes he was not suddenly totally absolutely taken away from you and I remember that I I bristled and she kept on and on and I finally just had to tell her you know I'm sorry I can't talk anymore I can't talk about this anymore and I just you know I mean I didn't hang up the phone on her but I <laughs> Some stopped of us the might conversation have to. <laughs> you know stop the conversation I'm done Yeah. I'm done I'm done yeah Yeah. so yeah People make all kinds of comparisons. They do. And they just say crazy and stupid things. I know a similar thing wasn't me, but I know of a mom who, you know, had someone try to tell them, I, you know, this, I know how you feel because my daughter moved out of the country. Mm. And it's like, can you talk to your daughter on the phone? Can you FaceTime your daughter? Can you have, can you go visit your daughter? Will you probably eventually have grandchildren? Will you, then it's not the same. You don't know how I feel just because Right. your daughter moved out of the country. It's not Yeah. a forever thing. You know, you'll get to hug her again. You'll get to hear her say, I love you. All those things that we don't have now. Yeah. Something I had else. someone do something similar to me too. It was a daughter that, and she was, she wasn't even moving out of the country. She was, now that you say that she was just moving away. And this mom called to, you know, get my sympathetic ear. And I'm thinking, mm, not so much. <laughs> you know, I, can, I, I know I've written one blog about graduations and, and uh, how things change. And, and I think I used the comparison that, Some people are moaning because they've moved to a new home and the furniture has been rearranged and we're, we're bereaved. We're grieving because the entire house is burned down. There's, Exactly. there's no place, There there's is no no home. place else to go. There's no home, you know, and that's a, that's kind of a, you know, people get uncomfortable with changes, but they're just changes. Yeah, exactly. Grief is just not handled very well in our society, is it? Not at all. We do not make space for grief. I'm excited about some of the different ways that it's becoming more talked about. But um, honestly, that's why I started the blog. Um, it was about a year and a half after Dominic had died. And I, I'm an educator at heart. And as I began to recognize that I'm not only my close friends and family, but just people in general I'm talking to, And they're surprised at how long it takes for, for a heart to even begin to heal. They're surprised at how believers, people who genuinely Mm hmm Yes. love Jesus, still have to drag out all of the things they thought they understood about Exactly. how God works in the world in light of the truth and the reality of child loss. And it just, it shocked them that all of this, this was true. And frankly, it shocked me. I mean, Yes. you know, no one had told, had prepared me for it. Exactly. And as I, as time went on, I'm like, you know, this needs to be out there. Somebody needs to be a voice for what it's really like from the inside out. And that was one of my big commitments was I was going to be as transparent as possible within the bounds of being thoughtful to my family Right, right. and, and other things. Um, and just be honest. And I have been, and I continue to be. And anybody that asks me, I'm as honest as I possibly can be because it's a lot more complicated. It's a lot longer to even begin to heal. And I am, I am firmly of the belief that on this earth, I will not be quote unquote healed with an ED 
Right. I will be in heaven and that's fine. And am I better now? Am I stronger now? 100%. But we do not talk about grief. We don't talk about how it shifts everything in a life, how it changes everything, mm -hmm. you know, and how you and I were just speaking earlier about my brain still doesn't operate the way it right. did exactly. nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I am curious, Melanie, your thoughts about how a lot of times you don't hear about funerals anymore. You, It's mm -hmm. all a celebration of life service. And I'm wondering, do you think that keeps us from facing the reality that it's okay to grieve the loss of someone who died, especially our child? And it's this is not to judge anyone who had a celebration mm -hmm. of life service, but as a whole, within our society, it seems like to me that it should be a time to come together and to grieve and to mourn together mm -hmm. as a community that is missing our child or that person instead of, I mean, I understand it's important to celebrate their life, but it's almost like we go straight to that and it makes it more difficult for those around us to weep with those who are weeping. The scripture tells us, some translations even say to mourn with those who are mourning because Instead, we're supposed to be celebrating the fact that they lived. So uh, you're just nodding yeah. like crazy while I'm saying this. So yeah. I'm thinking you I agree. Some... It kind of carries over into this <laughs> thing of how it hurts that people don't understand. They don't yeah. want to let us continue missing our child because we just celebrated their life. Why would you be sad? Why are you still right. struggling? I, ha I have some very strong feelings about that. I, I again, not judging anyone. I That is one of the, one of my caveats for everything is you do your grief yes. the way you need yes. to do it for yourself and your family. And nobody gets to judge that as long as exactly. you're not hurting anyone or hurting yourself, you just mm -hmm. do you. But that said, I definitely think that the whole celebration of life uh, mo movement is I, I just, my heart just hurts so badly when, um, I see posts from people and they are saying things like, you know, they were able not say again, God bless them. If they were able to speak at their child's funeral. Absolutely. 100%. God bless them. I did, but, but I think it was because I was so numb. <laughs> yes. And some people are numb, yes. but, but, but for some people that then becomes their tagline, yes. like, like this was like, this was the, this was the line in the sand, you know, going forward, I'm going to mm -hmm. be strong in the Lord and in his mighty yes. power. And I'm yes. not, you I've know, got the victory and, mm -hmm. you know, the devil's not going to take this, That's you know, right. and I, I am more than moments. a conquerer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh -huh. And, um, and I always go back to the passage in second Corinthians where Paul is saying we're crushed, you know, but not destroyed, yes. mm -hmm. but he doesn't say, but he doesn't leave out the we're crushed. You know, mm -hmm. we're confused, exactly. we're perplexed, all of these things, but yes. okay, my personal feeling, <laughs> and I'm not Paul, I haven't talked to him, but my <laughs> belief is, is that Although it took our kids a lifetime, <laughs> yeah, that's true, but it took a lifetime for Paul to get from we're crushed, but not destroyed. The, the, mm -hmm. the pause between that comma and the but is longer then it yes. takes to read those two words. Oh, yes. And and I feel like when we have these celebrations of life, again, people can, you know, do it however mm -hmm. they want to, but but it 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 contextualizes 
the loss in such a way that it makes it very easy for the people who walk out of that space that are not in the immediate grieving circle mm -hmm. to be like, oh, they're fine. It'll be okay. Right. You know, and they go on about their lives. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be that there's going to be a lot of that anyway, because everyone only has so much attention and time to spend on anything. Right. And if you're not in the immediate grief circle, it's not a daily event for you. But I always say things like my son's death was a moment in time for other people. It was a date on the calendar, if right. they even remember it as a date. Mm -hmm. But for me and my family, it's an everyday event. Yes. Even nine years later, it's still an everyday event. It colors how we live. It yes. changed who we are. Yes. You know, so yes, I would absolutely agree with you. I'm very, I'm very afraid for people who rush quickly to a declaration of victory, whatever that looks like, whether it's a yes. celebration of life or and whatever. And usually there's a crash that comes later. Mm -hmm. There is. Badly. Because you have to go through the grief as painful as it is mm -hmm. there's no way around it you have to go mm -hmm. through that darkness to be able to come out on the other side and i guess just as a, a thought here you know you and i both said this is not a judgment for anyone who had a celebration of life service for your child but it might just be another thought another way of you know if you've been really hurt by people around you who are not understanding the depth of your grief now, you know, like, like you said, you may have to educate them a little bit, send yeah. them to some of these blogs or get a book or have them listen to this podcast or a podcast mm -hmm. that's specifically for those who want to understand a bereaved parent. So it's probably, well, it is, it's going to be up to us to educate the people around us and not from anger and resentment and bitterness. Sorry, but this is where I am cutting in. We will finish our talk next week. I know it doesn't seem fair that it is up to us to educate those around us, does it? On the other hand, are you like Melanie and me? Neither one of us knew what it was like or how to be there for someone else who's lost a child until it happened to us. So if I didn't know how to be there for someone else, why would I expect others to know how to do that for me? When I think of it that way, it does help me to give a bit more grace to those who have left me feeling hurt because of this. I hope our conversation today was helpful, even if it was just to let you know that you are not alone in feeling this way. I look forward to sharing the rest of my conversation with Melanie with you next week. And if you want to connect with her, I have put a link in the show notes. Now, I have something to share with you that I am pretty excited about. Next year will be the 10th anniversary of GPS Hope, and we want to do something special. So we are going to be hosting a GPS Hope and Healing Conference for Perivers next summer, 2024, here in Wisconsin. And we're going to be ending with what we're calling a celebration of hope, inviting anyone who's been connected to us as Perivers, which is you, or anyone who has supported GPS Hope in some way and wants to join us in thanking God for what he has done through this ministry. We have a venue, we have the dates, and if you know Doug and BJ Jensen, they are going to be coming to be part of this with us. I'm so excited about that. Lots of other details do need to be worked out, but I at least wanted you to know the dates so you can plan to head to Wisconsin next summer, the first weekend in August. 
just a quick overview. We're planning on Thursday night, August 1st, is going to be just a casual night for whoever comes early. We might have something like a cookout on our campsite here with the Hope Mobile. Friday on August 2nd, we're going to officially start at 1 o'clock, and that allows people who are traveling on Friday morning, maybe they can just get one day off of work. So we'll start after lunch, and those who are here will probably get together and do something, have a brunch or something. And then the conference itself is going to be in the afternoon and the evening. We'll probably have a provided supper that night. I'm pretty sure we, we will. Then on Saturday, August 3rd, the conference will be in the morning and the afternoon, and then we will have the evening banquet, the Celebration of Hope, and that will be included in the registration price of the conference. Now, I don't have that price yet because we haven't worked out the details. I'm going to be contacting some hotels to block out some rooms, hopefully at a discounted price. I don't have that yet. Also, I've already had someone ask, can we camp there? And yes, I will also give information for our campground. There are overnight sites and also there are cabins that can be rented. So anyway, working out the details and I'll let you know with an official invite when we get all of this together. But for right now, I just wanted to make sure as you, I know some of us are already making our summer plans for next year, 2024. So put this on your calendar, make it a vacation, come up our way in Wisconsin and help us celebrate the 10th anniversary of GPS Hope. And let me just add, if you are a Pereaver who has attended one of our weekend retreats, I know sometimes during the retreat, it's like, we've got to get together again. We've got to have a reunion. Well, here's your chance to have a reunion. Come up to Wisconsin and have a meetup with those that uh, you know are now lifelong friends for you from being on a retreat together. So anyway, that is that. Save the date, the first weekend in August of 2024. Let's go ahead with our birthday segment. Richard Elia was born on June 5th and is forever 40. Aaron Page was born on June 6th and is forever 21. Kayla Ramos was born on June 7th and is forever 25. Ocean Johannes Emru Campbell was born on June 7th and is forever 23. Tasha Nicole Busick was born on June 10th and is forever 40. We celebrate the day these children came into the world as we know it will always be a special day for these families. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that form and please include the pronunciation of your child's name. If it has ever been mispronounced, first name, last name, please provide the pronunciation because I want to make sure that I say it correctly. So once you have that filled out, hit the submit, and we will add your child to the birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. And Dave will also send you an email that week to remind you to listen. Thank you again to Omnia for sponsoring today's podcast episode in loving memory of her son, Ocean. You can also sponsor an episode in memory of your child. You get to select the week, and I will read what you want others to know about your son or daughter, which will be heard by thousands of other parents for years to come. 
Just go to gpshope.org and hover on the donate button and click sponsor a podcast episode, or you can go to the GPS Hope store on the website and then look for sponsor a podcast episode through there. It's only a $50 donation to the ministry of GPS Hope to be able to honor your child in this way. And I will put a link to be able to find that in the show notes. I want to close by reading the scripture Melanie referred to, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. This is an especially precious verse to me. Some of you may be familiar with a song that was out several years ago, and Becca used to lead this song as a worship leader, and she would actually solo this verse, and then the worship team would come in for the chorus. Of course, the congregation sang the whole thing, but it was a declaration for Becca through everything that she went through with her heart issues, and so it's an especially precious verse for me, and it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. And we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. I just pray right now that this will become maybe one of those anchor verses that you can hold on to. And I know you may feel like, but I am in despair. I am destroyed. I do feel abandoned. But hang on to this verse as a truth for you to walk in. Even if you can't see it now, it will happen. I come here every week and I bring guests like Melanie on here to give you hope that this verse will be true for you and that you will make it through this, not just to barely survive, but you will learn how to thrive again and have a life of meaning and purpose. And it's not in spite of your child's death, but it's because of his or her life. So please hold on. Pain eases. There is 